Man, grab a seat unless you're uh, headed out. Is that you under there, Mary? All right, all right. Got your babushka on? <laughs> yeah, oh, I got you, all right. Hey, Terry, I got to tell you, man, last night when I went over, I started going over all my notes on Sunday nights. I look at everything that I'm getting ready to preach, and I opened up, and I saw the first statement in Romans chapter 8, and it was so powerful that I was speechless. And for about an hour as I meditated on that, and I meditated on it, I had one thought, and I'm like, I'm going to call Terry and tell him this is going to be the shortest message ever. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make this one statement, and I'm going to walk out. And I, 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 I don't want to say I threatened God with that. I'm like, God, this has just blown me away. I don't know what else to do. I don't, you know, and then I read a couple other verses, so it's not, but, and I do know that usually when I say it's going to be the shortest message ever, it usually is not. So I didn't want to kind of go there, but whatever. But this first statement, we are back in the book of Romans, and the first seven chapters of Romans is so powerful. Paul wrote this from prison. He wrote it, and he wanted to tell the Roman people everything there was to know about Christianity. He was hoping he would one day get to go visit them, and he never did. And what a powerful book it is. And he goes through, and he's trying to tell all the Israelites. He's telling all the Gentiles, telling everybody, look, you need to be saved by faith in what Jesus Christ did. You're justified by faith. There is absolutely nothing you could do to save yourself. There's nothing you could do to aid in your salvation. There's nothing you can add in your salvation. There's absolutely nothing. It's justification by faith. You've got to believe that there was nothing you can add. And until you believe there's nothing you can add, I believe you're missing salvation. You've got a form of legalism until you realize you're totally helpless and hopeless and there's nothing you can do for salvation you throw yourself on the mercy of God and you say I believe that what Jesus did on the cross pays totally for my sins and there's nothing else I need nothing else about it. I give you my life I'm tired of being my boss and until you get to that point man I don't believe you truly saved I believe you've got to get to that point where you're totally lost to be able to be totally saved. And that's what the Apostle Paul tells us in the first seven chapters. He tries to explain it so many ways. Chapter 7, he even started out, if you remember a long time ago, I'm not going to preach it again, but man, he started out and he said, look, when you come into this world, he said, you're married to the law. You're married to the law. The law is right. The law is good. The law tells you who God is and what God wants you to do. And every move you make, it's like being married to somebody that shows you that every single thing you do is wrong. How many of y'all want to be married to somebody like that? That's what we went through in Romans chapter 7. Every single, dude, you take a step this way, you've just violated the law. And the law is quick to tell you, you messed up. And the law can't offer you any help. The law is like, hey, why don't you try it this way next time? No, the law just says you stepped wrong. You, you, scratch your, you scratched your head wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. And it just revealed every, it revealed the righteousness and showed you how you couldn't have it. You can't do it. And at that point is where you give up and say, dude, I want out of this marriage. <laughs> I can't do anything right. And the way you get out of the marriage is not by divorce, it's by death. Till death do us part. We went over that in chapter 7 exclusively. And so at some point you die. 
You die to yourself and say, I'm not the boss. I can't get this right. And you know what, law? You're right. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Everything the law accuses you of of being wrong, you're wrong, and you know that's right. And you're just like, I quit. I'm dead. I give up. And who do you give your life to at that point, y'all? Who do you give your life to? You, to Jesus, man. You give your life to Jesus. And at that point, when you give your life to Christ, you die with him. So now you are dead. You've gone, you go to the cross, and we'll explain this a little bit more in here. But you go, you went to the cross with him. The moment you die to yourself and give your life to Christ, you are dead in your sins. You're dead with him. And once you're dead, you're not married to the law anymore. You know, you're not married to that spouse anymore till death do us part. But now you're free to marry someone, according to Romans chapter 7, who not only will tell you what's righteous and tell you what's good, but will also be able to help you and empower you to be able to do the right thing. Unlike the law that just convicted you, this spouse who is Christ, we are the bride of Christ, amen? We're the bride of Christ when you're saved. And now that we're married to him, he's like, hey, really, if you do it this way? Oh, and let me give you the power. Let me give you the desire. Let me give you the ability. And in fact, without him giving us the power, the desire and the ability, we can't do the right thing. So again, over here, you're trying to do it on your own and you fail and you fail when you realize you can't do it. You quit, you give up, you die and you come to Christ and you get married again and you get married to the spouse that you're going to be with forever, which is the bride, as the bride of Christ. And you're empowered. You can do everything right. No temptation taken us, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation taken us, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above the table, but with the temptation, He will make a way to escape. So as you're married to Him, and He says, man, do this, do it this way. And you're like, oh, you know, how can I get... you got to take the route He wants. If he's dug a rabbit hole here, you better get on your knees and crawl through it. Don't try to dig your own. That's sin. That's what you tried to do for years. He will give you a way out. He will give you a way to succeed. Amen? Any of y'all experienced this before? That's it. That's what we learned in Romans 7. And he went every single way, the first six, seven chapters, he says, dude, give up. You got nothing to add. You got nothing to contribute. You got nothing. How many of y'all know y'all got nothing on your own? <laughs> yeah. How many of y'all know the person next to you ain't got nothing? No, I'm just saying, no. <laughs> no, you got nothing. You give it all to him and he takes it and makes it into something pretty awesome, man. Anybody experienced that so far? Yeah. And so now, Romans chapter 8, the one we've been waiting for, you're going to see so many famous verses. How many of y'all still have like crocheted things on your wall with Bible verses? How many of y'all got pillows you're not allowed to sleep on and touch? You know, they got crocheted. I'll guarantee you there's one out of Romans 8 in there. There's so many famous verses because now he starts off and he tells us, he said, this is what you now have in Christ. Totally sold out to him. This is what you have. And the very first thing that we, he tells us that we have, again, Terry, I almost was just going to say this and walk out. I was thinking of Booth, William Booth. He's the Salvation Army dude. Uh, he, he was you know, into helping people. They invite him to speak at this famous conference with all these other guys. And he, he talks about how he really didn't want to do that. He'd really rather be serving. He walked up to the podium. 
he looked at everybody and everybody had their things ready to take notes and he just said, others, and he walked out. One day I'm going to get to do that, but not today, Terry. <laughs> that's, why, that's the way I felt. I was so blown away by this verse. I was so blown away by this concept. I was just speechless. And as they sang about it today, oh my goodness, man. This is the best news that any human being could ever have. This is it. This is the best news. Look at this. I'm going to tell you point blank. There is no way that I am ever going to hell. Is that not the best news? Bob, there's no way I'm going to hell. You know, I could go out in the world. If there were still malls, I'd go to the malls. There's no way I'm going to hell. I could, I could publish. And people would, well, that's awful arrogant of you. That's awful bold of you. That's awful crazy of you to think of, you know. Because the whole world, including a lot of Christianity, thinks they have something to do with it. That if I say there is no way possible that I am ever going to step foot in hell, even for a visit, there's no way. They're thinking, wow. You must be really good. Wow, you must, you know, you think you're going to fight God or something? No. But when I see what Scripture says, I see this first verse, we should be able, you should be able with boldness and confidence to know this and not let the world take this away from you to be able to say, there is no possible way I am going to hell. In fact, I want to hear you say it right now. Wait, hold on, on the count of three. On the count of three, on the count of three. I know some of y'all are excited. You're like, whoop, there's no way. On the count of three, one, two, three. Is that not good news, y'all? Now, if you had a little hard time saying it, if you were like, hmm, you know, I, I wanted to get part of the pep rally. I wanted to be part of, you know, the enthusiasm. So I kind of I said it, you know. And, but if inside right now, you're like, wow, I'm not that positive. You still might even be reeling from some bad theology that you grew up with, you, that you're living with to say, oh, I don't know if I can really say that. I'm not that sure. First John 5, 13, when he wrote it in Scripture, John said, these things I've written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God so that you may what? No, not hope, not wish, not dream, not think. You can know, you can gnosko, you can experience it firsthand and know for sure that you have eternal life and that you can continue to believe. That's why the Bible's there. So you can know what God says is true and know what you have in Him. But again, humanity wants to feel like I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to earn my keep. I got to pull, you know, I got to do something. That's why Paul spent seven chapters trying to get it in our thick heads. There's nothing you can do for your salvation. So if you're not comfortable saying there is no way that I'm going to hell, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit why. This morning, this is crucial. How many people have to die around us for you to know that you are limited, that you don't you're not going to be on this planet forever. It has nothing to do with age. It has to do with when, God call, when, when God's decided that you're going to die. Everybody's coming in. He knows everybody's birthday. He knows everybody's death day. 
You have no clue when that is. So if you can't say that with confidence, I'm not trying to badger you. I'm just trying to tell you, God brought you here to hear this from Scripture today. And if you can't with confidence know, say, dude, there is no way I'm going to hell and be confident about it. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit why. Maybe you've never surrendered. Maybe it's the first time you heard this stuff and you're like, dude, I don't know, there were, this guy's kind of nuts here, you know. No, this is the most powerful thing in the, the best news. In fact, that's what it's called is the good news, the gospel. Because of the gospel, there is no way that I am going to hell. And I have to believe that. I'm saved by my faith in, 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 in Him giving me that faith through grace. So there's no way I'm going to hell. And I'm going to show you in these next couple of verses, I have proof. That's where we have to go. I got, I got proof. Because I was, Terry. I didn't need proof. I'm just like, God, dude, Chuck, is that not awesome? We, we look at each other on Monday Night Bible saying like, dude, we're not going to hell. Are there people thinking we were? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying in our lifetime with you. And it's like, even now, it's like they may look at me and go like, well, dude, you, you're not perfect. No, I'm not. Ask my wife, ask my family, ask my grandkids. Go hang out with me for more than a few hours and you'll see that. But it's not my perfection. It's His. It's His. And we have to believe that by faith, which is what the first seven chapters again were about. So there is no way that I am going to hell and I got proof. Look at this, if you will. Here's the verse that, that changed it uh, in here. When I saw it, I was just blown away. And I hope you are too. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Know this. Look what he says now, Paul. After everything about being married to the law, being born in Adam, and in Adam you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. You can, you can now be, be born again and be in God's family. The whole thing. Go back and read chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. All of that. He says now in, verse, in cha- verse 1 of chapter 8, he says, there is therefore now, now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? How many of y'all think you got to have to have a, you got to have a seminary degree to understand that verse? How many of y'all think that's pretty plain, man? But let's look at it. I'm not going to try to make it complicated. They said once theologians take simple things and make them complicated, teachers take complicated things and make them simple. I hope I'm a teacher. So there is therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, you have to look at the therefore. You look what's before to see what the therefore is there for. Right? Does that make sense? He says, therefore. I mean, that's a strange way to start a conversation. You walk into the house, Terry, and you're like, to Selma, therefore, and she's like, what? <laughs> therefore what? And usually it's the previous verse. But, but you've got to look at the context of this. This therefore is therefore the previous seven chapters of everything he's told us. He said, because now your righteousness comes from grace and faith in Christ and you're justified uh, in faith. He said, therefore, now, now, now that you get it, now that you understand it, now that you've experienced it, now that you've surrendered, now that you understand you ain't got jack to add to this. You ain't got nothing to add to it. I don't care how holy and righteous you were brought up to think you were. You have nothing. 
In fact, if you think your holy and righteousness is adding anything to your salvation, you are lost because you are so proud you can't even see through your pride. You got nothing. He said, therefore, now, now that you see you got nothing, and it's all in Christ, he says, now there's no condemnation. What does it mean, no condemnation? It means you're not going to be condemned. Fernando, what were you condemned to? Hell, because you needed to be saved from God. Every sin that is committed in this universe has to be punished by God Almighty. That is what Scripture teaches. Every single sin, past, present, and future, has to be punished by God Almighty. And how many of y'all committed some sins? Past, present, oh, right now in church you're sinning? Oh my goodness, no. But I'm just saying, past, present, and future. It deserves, it has to be by a just and righteous God to be fair. You want to talk about fair? He says, the wages of sin is death. I'm punishing this. I am punishing sin. And every sin has to be punished. So you got to be saved from God's wrath. And so when Christ went to the cross from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, when it all was dark, and He said, He said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When He said that, He was now taking all the sins of the world on Him. If you don't think that, go back and read the book of Isaiah. Go back and read where it talks about all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, were being slammed on Christ at that point, including yours. He took the spanking. He took the penalty. If you don't want to accept that for payment for yours and you still think I got to do something, you're going to take the penalty and you're not going to survive. Nobody can survive the wrath of God except Christ. Aren't you glad He did it for you? Dude, if my brothers or sisters would have ever been so nice to take a whooping for me, <laughs> Any of y'all ever have brothers and sisters like, April, you're really nice. Did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, did you like, oh, mom, let me take the whooping for them. You're not that nice? Christ is. <laughs> Christ is. So he says, there's therefore now no condemnation. For who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, you can't be condemned. It's done. It's like you've been sentenced to a death penalty. And you are on death row, if you could imagine. And you are there waiting. That's, that's the world. When you come into this world, you are on a death sentence. You are waiting to die and go to hell. That's what Scripture teaches. Go look in the book of John. That Jesus didn't come in the world to condemn the world. He came to save a world that was already condemned. And so, man, you're on death row. You're waiting for your number to be called. You're waiting for, for, to, to pay the wrath, to, be, to experience that wrath. And all of a sudden, Mac, somebody comes in and says, Mac, you know what? This guy is releasing you. He's giving you a pardon from the death penalty. Would you take that? Why would you take it? Yeah. Amen. And you need it. <laughs> You know, the only people would, yeah, no, you're exactly right. That's the only reason someone wouldn't accept a pardon off death row. Is that I don't need it. They're not really going to kill me. That's not really what's going to happen. Or they got bitterness. And I don't, you know what? I'm going to give them a word. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind I can't afford to give. You know, oh, whatever. 
Whatever the prideful issue is, but if somebody knows they are doomed for death, they're going to take the pardon. And that's what Christ has offered us. Amen? He offered us that pardon. And if you're saved, you took it. You knew there was nothing you could do. The penalty, the, it was already dished out. That's what this word condemnation is actually this legal term. It's talking about not the sentencing, but it's talking about the penalty that the sentencing is giving you, which is death. Eternally being separated from God. That's what this condemnation means. So guess what? You've been pardoned. You have no death penalty. So if you have no death penalty, guess what? Now y'all help me on a count of three. One, two, three. There is no way. Say that like you mean it, man. One, two, three. There is no way. Woo! Yes! I'm just saying, man. If Dude, I remember those old country preachers, and I used to hate when they said this, but you remember like Brother Gene and them, right, Corey? If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet, right? I'm just saying, dude, think about it. There's no, Terry, there's no way possible anyway. You're never going to set foot in. You're as close to hell as you're going to be. And I don't mean to say anything because you're between your two daughters. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying you're as close to hell as you're going to be. Yeah, and what a great place to be, dude. If that's a, yeah. You're never going to go. Because it's not about you. It's about Him. And He's perfect, and that's what He did. There is therefore, because of everything He wrote in the first seven chapters, no condemnation, no death penalty for me, no sparky if you're in Florida, no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. This is where you get to, and we're going to talk about this a little bit of in Christ Jesus here, all right? This is how we talked about before um, in chapter 7. You are this lime green ball, right? Okay, and right now you're going to go wherever this ball goes, right? And I'm not going to throw it around because I might not get it back or whatever, but you're going to go wherever the ball goes, right? Now, when you are in Christ Jesus, you're the ball, right? This is Christ Jesus. Where are you? In Christ Jesus, right? How long are you in Christ Jesus for? Uh, oh, so we're just sealing this bad boy up. Waterproof, everything, man. Nothing. In fact, how many of y'all remember the old King James where it said, you are a peculiar people? And your parents used that verse to make you dress like a nerd, right? I'm just saying, you're a peculiar people. You know what that word peculiar means? It means encompassed. It means that you are encompassed with Christ. Anything that's coming into your life has to go through who? Christ. You are in Christ. Are you intermittently in Christ? Are you in Christ one day and you're out of Christ the next day? Based on your behavior, Charlie. Please, no, you're not. That's our bad theology. Ooh, I'm sinning, so I'm out of Christ. No, dude, once you're in Christ, dude, it's like the Gestapo. You're not getting out. I'm just saying it. How many of y'all would tell me I got in Christ and it was the most horrible thing ever. Oh my goodness, now I'm eternally stuck in Christ and I want... Anybody here want out? How many of y'all wish you got in Christ sooner? Yeah, this is salvation in Romans 7 when he, when he goes and he talks... In 6 when he talks about when, when you die, when you give up and you say, I, I, I'm dead, I'm done, I quit, I got nothing. Christ says, come on in. And now you're in Christ. So where do you go? Anywhere that Christ goes. Anywhere that Christ went. Where did Christ go? Christ went to the cross. Guess what happened on the cross? 
Your sins were paid for. And during the time that he, when he was in heaven paying for your, wherever he was, paying for your sins, guess what? All your sins were being paid for, the punishment for him, everything because you were in Christ. What happened on the third day, y'all? He rose from the dead. Did he take you out and then rise from the dead? No. Guess what? Gabriel, Caleb, you guys were in Christ when he rose. And that's the beauty. Now we get to live a life in, in Christ. Say that, in Christ. We got to get that because I don't believe we understand what it means to be in Christ. I, I think a lot of times when we sin or we're not living for Him or maybe we're, you know, people call it backslide, whatever you want to call it, oh, I'm not in Christ. No, you're in Christ. Man, I, I'm not propo- a proponent of the movie or whatever, but Joe Dirt, man, <laughs> I'm just saying, Joe Dirt, maybe get the airplane version. I don't know, but. His mom, he used to always say, his mom would say, is that where you want to be when Jesus comes back? <laughs> and my mom used to say it. That's why it means something to me because we had bad theology. And my mom was like, don't ever be caught doing anything that you'd be embarrassed if Jesus were to come back and you were doing that. <laughs> How many of y'all, did anybody have bad theology from your parents like that? Trying to get you? Yeah. But guess what? If you're in Christ, do you, do you ever get caught doing wrong things? Are you hiding and all of a sudden you're doing wrong things, Amy, and then Christ comes back and you're like, whoa, I didn't mean for you to catch me. No, in fact, Rick, where is Christ in everything that you do? Yeah, dude. In other words, everywhere you go, everything you do, everything you think about, everything you feel, guess who's there? This is the omnipresence of God. So you want to go there? You want to go do that? Who are you dragging with you, Steve? You're dragging Christ. You ain't got to worry about hiding from Christ and Him finding you. You're just like, oh, here's Christ. Hey, let's go do this. Let's go be mean to the snowbirds as we drive. No, no, no. Let's go, let's go do that. Let's go. Guess what? The omnipresence of God. And if we could fully understand the omnipresence of God, how many of y'all think your behavior would change a little? How many times are we doing things and we don't even think about the fact that we're dragging God in there with us? You know? And now you think about that. Uh, think about your sweet mom if she could hear what you say. <laughs> or watch with you. Would, you. would you do the same thing if your sweet mom was right next to you? Emily? No, I'm just joking. I'm picking on you. I'm just saying, no, because, dude, I don't want the wrath of mom. But, dude, you're in Christ. And again, look how merciful and loving he is. There's nothing you can do to be out of Christ. So he said, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. So is there a time in your life where you said, there's nothing, I got nothing. I got nothing. It's all by faith. God, if what you tell me in the Word, that Christ is my only way to salvation, what He did on the cross is the only way to pay for my sins, and the only thing I can do is surrender everything I know about myself to everything I know about you. If, if you do that, you're in Christ. If you don't do that, you're not in Christ. He who has the Son, JJ, has life. He who doesn't have the Son does not have life. It's as simple as that. You cut the Bible anywhere and it bleeds. It's all about Christ. So if you have given up, you put yourself in Christ and you are there now eternally. 
Amen? All right. Well, if God didn't give me more to say, I'd dismiss y'all and we would just go. But, but that's not where we're at. <laughs> so in that first, the first part of this, there is no way that I'm going to hell. On the count of three, let me hear you say it. Let me hear you say it. And if you're having a hard time saying, I'm not trying to pick you out. I'm not trying. Don't say anything, whatever. But I'm just saying, if you're having a hard time, ask the Holy Spirit why. It could just be bad theology. It could be because you know you've never truly given your life to Christ. You still think you're going to work out some deal that God himself would come down in the flesh and be beat beyond recognition and go and take on the ultimate clean freak, taking on all the sins of the world. And you're going to expect another deal. I want you to know that's what he wrote in the first seven chapters. So if you were coming here during those chapters, you're like, he keeps preaching on the same thing. Well, that's what Paul wrote was the same thing, so we would get it. On the count of three, man, help me out with this. One, two, three. Woo! <laughs> I love hearing y'all say that because you know what that means? A million years from now, I'm going to see you guys there. And we're going to be worshiping God Almighty, man. So there's no way I'm going to hell according to that verse. I've got proof, though. Check this out now. <coughs> uh, by faith, I believe that Christ was my substitute and my sacrifice. Did I miss a verse, JJ? Okay. Oh, oh yeah, let's, let's go back and look at it. All right, so, no condemnation in Christ. All right. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free. Where? In Christ. There it is again. In Christ. If you're in Christ, the Spirit of life has set you free. Christ, He... Uh, hey, let me ask you a question. Amanda, Ma Mandy Joe, <laughs> it, 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 did Christ ever sin in His life? No. Did you ever sin in your life? Oh yeah. But guess what? If you're in Christ, whose life counts? And if you're in Christ, whose righteous life does He have? Yeah, He gave you His righteous life and He took your unrighteous life. Are you glad? Yeah, mine's pretty unrighteous. He, he gave me His righteous life because I am in Christ. But that doesn't make any sense, does it, Chuck? I mean, that's hard to comprehend. That's hard to, wait a minute, show me a diagram. Let's draw this out. How? No, we accept it by what? What's the F word, y'all? By faith. That's why we're justified by faith, because this makes no sense, does it? That's why the world doesn't get it. The world says, prove it to me. Prove this whole theory to me, and then I'll believe. And instead, God says what, Chuck? Believe in me, and then I'll prove it to you. How many of y'all believe in God, and he's proved it to you? Yeah, but the world says, no, no, man, that don't make any sense. Dude, I know you, man. I know what you've done. I know you. I know you're not perfect, man. You're no better than any of us, you holy roller, you and whatever. Yeah, you're right. But Christ is, and that's who I'm in. I am in Christ. And so, and we'll get to it. You'll be like, well, does that give me the right to sin? No, we covered that in the first seven chapters, but we'll cover it in another verse, though. For the law of the Spirit capital S. Who's that? The Holy Spirit, which is God. That's the third person of the Trinity, which, oh, the Trinity's not in the Bible. Yes, it is all over the place. 
you don't want the Trinity in the Bible, you know what? There's some reason you don't want the Trinity in the Bible. <laughs> the law, the Spirit of life has set you what? Free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Meaning that you sin, you don't die. Because who died for your sins? Right, Sophie, who died? And, you, and if you're in Christ, then what happened to you? You died. And on the third day, what happened? He rose. So who rose with him, Sophie? Yeah. And the same for that Yehu next to you, man. Austin, yeah. You did too, man. I say Yehu with the ultimate of respect, man. Just because I have not, for a moment, had a mental wedge and couldn't remember your name. So it was Yehu. All right. <laughs> I got it, Austin. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Wherever Christ went, we went with Him. Go look back at Romans chapter 6. And because of that, hey, let me ask you a question. Is Christ going to hell? Is there even a chance, Christ, Jack, is there even a chance Christ is going to hell? And if you're in Christ, is there a chance you're going to hell and dragging Christ with you? No! If that doesn't make sense, I don't know what else does. If you're in Christ, then how long are we in Christ for, Charlie? Forever! You can't get out of Christ. And if you can just simply believe Christ is not going to hell. I mean, how many of y'all believe Christ is not going to hell? No! He's not going to hell. And if you're in Him, then there's no chance you're going either. Amen? Bill Cooper, is that good news or what? Pretty, oh, pretty good news. Oh, that's pretty good. Dude, I... If, I don't know, man. You must, you must come from a different neighborhood, bro, but I'm just saying for me, man, it is the ultimate best news. Did he drive a Ford? Oh, did he drive a Ford? Yeah. <laughs> no, I know where you're at. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ. Jesus from the law, uh, from the law of sin and death. Now, the next part of proof that I know First proof is, I'm in Christ, right? In Christ, is he going to hell? No. So I'm not going to hell because I'm in Christ. By faith, this again, it's by faith. Does it make sense? No. That's why the world can't receive it. In fact, you know what? When Jesus was preaching, he started preaching in parables. And his disciples said to him, you know, Jesus, you're kind of running people off. Jesus, you're preaching in this weird parable type stuff and nobody knows what you're talking about. Why don't you talk in plain English? Well, Hebrew or whatever they're talking in. Why don't you just talk in plain language? And he said, because the only ones I want to understand this are the ones that the Father allows to understand this. That's why. So man, God gives you the desire and ability to understand this stuff. By faith. By faith. There's no proof, man. This is, makes no sense to the scientific world, to the education world, to the medical world, to whatever world. And I'm not bashing any of those. I'm just saying you've got to receive it by faith, which means God gives you the ability to believe this situation that He presents us. So by faith, I believe Christ was my substitute and sacrifice. Let's look at Romans 8.3. Only two more verses, Terry. Now, I'm just... You know what? I, Terry's a good sport. I'm, it's not like every week he's sending me a letter. Not every week, but <laughs> now, only one. Only one. There was one when he first started showing up. How long ago was that, man? Like 
eight years, dude. Yeah, eight years ago. And he, he sent me a meme that, oh, I just thought this was funny. It's not really about you, but it is. You know, I'm like, <laughs> but like, yeah, there, there's a, a fine line. You remember it? A fine line between what? A long sermon. A long sermon. In a hostage situation, yes. <laughs> That's why I pick up. I, yeah. But he's been coming back. He's been coming back, man. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so when I pick on him about time, he's like the Apostle Peter who spoke for many other people. How many of y'all is he speaking for when he talks? Come on, let me see your hands. You're like, oh, no, no, we're good letting you pick on Terry. <laughs> it's all good. <clears throat> So by faith, I believe Christ was my substitute and my sacrifice. He was my substitute. Look what it says in, in Romans 8.3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, couldn't do. You know, we also learned in Romans chapter 7, y'all, we learned that whenever as humans in human nature we're told not to do something, what do we do? Sean, way in the back, what do we do, man? Oh, so has Savannah learned that? It's reverse psychology. Don't tell Sean not to do it because if you tell Sean not to do it, what are you going to do? And you don't even really want to do it. You just got to do it, right? Wet paint. I kept threatening. I was going to have a bench to say, wet paint, don't touch, and see how many fingerprints. How many of y'all would have touched? I know you would have. That's our human nature, and that's what he said. Man, if you focus on obeying the law, oh, don't do this, do this, don't do this, don't guess what? You are going to be an utter failure. And that should drive you to Christ to say, man, I have tried with everything in me and I fail. I can't do it without you. I can't do anything without you. So God has done, with what, uh, has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness, that's my substitute, the likeness of sinful flesh. Marley, you know the answer to this one, bro. If God wanted to save the barracudas, what would he have to become? A barracuda, right? Hey, Mac, if God wanted to save the cockroaches, what would he have to become? A cockroach. By the way, would you, if God says, Mac, I want you to save the cockroaches, and, and, and I want you to become a cockroach just to save a few cockroaches, because most of them are, in fact, in the end, they're going to get some raid and they're going to kill you, but a few of them are going to get saved. Would you become a cockroach? Yeah, that's your Sunday school answer. <laughs> but, yeah. but that's what Christ did. Understand that. We think, oh, going from God to being man, that's simple. No, dude. He's Almighty God, and He put on the rags of humanity, left the riches of heaven to become a man, a human being, in this sinful world, knowing that they were going to kill Him. Knowing that only a handful of people... In fact, when you look at Matthew chapter 7... Are there going to be many that enter the kingdom of heaven or are there going to be few? Few. Doesn't say there's not going to be many professing to go to heaven, many professing to be believers. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, it says a majority of the professing church is going to hell. They're going to be wondering, why didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I do miracles in your name? Didn't I, didn't I, didn't I? And why are you putting me in the wrong line? Matthew chapter 7. And he says... Be gone from me, you workers of lawlessness. You may be doing all these right things, but you ain't doing it because I asked you. He said, I never what? I never knew you. I never had an intimate relationship with you. You had a religion that caused you to do all these different things, but you and I never had an intimate relationship. 
That's the saddest part in the Bible right there. I told you the happiest part was, man, I'm never going to hell. But the saddest part is, in the end, he said, man, there's two gates. You know, there's not like a narrow gate and then a wide path, which is what we've made it in America. No, dude, there's a narrow gate and there's a narrow path. And it's the one he's got us on. Be sure you're on that path. Maybe if you're having a hard time saying that, that there's no way I'm going to hell, maybe you haven't got on the path where you're willing to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him. I don't know. I do know who does know. It's the Holy Spirit of God. If you will ask him, why am I having such a hard time saying this? If you're saying it with enthusiasm, you know that you know that you know, man, that's awesome. That's the greatest news because nothing else matters. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a human and for sin, he condemned, he overcame sin in the flesh. Again, Sophie, did Jesus ever sin? No, he never sinned. So when you got in Christ, you never, he treats you as though you have never sinned, right? Exactly. That's why you got to get in him. Because if you're not in him, you've sinned. So he came and he was perfect. He never sinned. And God gave him, he gave him our unrighteous life. How many of y'all had an unrighteous life to give him? Yeah. Bob, is that about blow you away? I'll never forget COVID, dude. I haven't told this story in a while. I got to tell it because Bob's right here. But man, me and Linda and, and what time is it? All right, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I can't even read this watch. I can, uh, there's a tide chart and a moon chart. That's all that matters. But man, we, we, Keone, Linda, and I were in my old uh, suburb uh, Yukon XL. And we had all the boards strapped, all the paddle boards strapped on top, man. And we were going to the zoo on a Saturday morning up to Bard County, up to the zoo. And uh, I knew the roof was getting a little rusty, but I didn't know how rusty. And anyways, we were going down and all of a sudden on 95, I hear foosh. And all the boards, six to eight boards, I don't know, they were all like like locked on my racks and all in unison nothing came off the racks the whole thing of racks flipped and no cars all of a sudden that's rush hour on saturday morning right and they land way over on this side i back up man going 300 yards back or i don't know i don't know how far but we get back and linda and i go out and we each grab the racks we pull it i put the boards inside keone's still in his car seat didn't know any different i shove all the boards in Scoot the racks, throw that in, and praise God, nobody got killed. Boards flying off. Can you not imagine on a Saturday morning on 95, me doing, you know, the speed limit of like 85, 90, right? And nobody gets killed? So the next morning during our praise jar, during our rusty bucket, man, it's like my wife puts in like, well, all I'm going to say is I'm grateful nobody got killed, but Eddie's going to have to give you the details. And I'm just like... Yeah, man, dude, nothing came. Not one board got scratched. Everything was great. We get them all in. Yes, praise God. Bob standing right over there. Bob stood up. You remember what you said? Uh, I'll paraphrase you and correct me if I'm wrong because I get stories wrong, don't I, Gary? And, and Bob was like, well, I ain't really a religious person or nothing, but I was right behind you. <laughs> I was like, what? What are the odds? Like, I, was, uh, I was right behind you. In fact, we were going early to a karaoke thing so we could get back, so we could come to church to Driftwood for the very first time. 
What are the odds? <laughs> Who do you think set all that up? And he's like, I'm a religious person. Did I mention that? And I'm like, no. He said, he said but is this a sign? <laughs> I'll never forget that, Bob, because all that came to my mind was my little smart aleck answer. Like, only if you read it, pal. <laughs> it was like, <clears throat> so Bob started listening. God started speaking. And then all of a sudden, COVID hit. And we couldn't be together. We were only online. And the very first service we came back to was down at Blue Heron at the beach. How many of y'all were at that no see him service? Yes, dude. <laughs> yeah, we were eaten alive by no And But we were glad to be together. But as I parked and I'm walking out, Bob, man, and Ann get out. And I'm like, yes! Because I didn't know if I'd ever see him again. And Bob is running like, oh! guess what guess what and I already knew what man but I didn't want to rob him he's like I gave my life to Jesus and I'm like you yeah you remember that dude oh yeah because after that everybody's like dude something happened to Bob his friends think he's high all the time he doesn't get mad anymore (laughs) but it was like yeah but I remember the joy on your face. I remember all of that going down, man. And, and so I don't even know where I was at in Scripture here. But, but with that story, man, it just, yeah, there's joy. It's the greatest thing. By faith, I believe Christ was my substitute and sacrifice. I think I was in the Scripture so far. For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. I still don't know what his story had to do with that, but we already preached through that. Maybe it's the next verse. Oh, but he changes us, man. That's all I got to say. He did. Man, that was a really weird diversion the Holy Spirit just took us on, wasn't it? Some of, somebody here needed to hear that. I'm just saying. No, it'll come back to me in a minute. All right, so now check this out. So again, there is no way I'm ever going to hell. You know, I know that because Christ is my substitute. He's my substitute and He was my sacrifice. He went to the cross for me. He died for me and I am in Him. But last but not least, that's the, the next proof I have by faith is I believe that Christ has given me the desire and ability to become more and more like Him. Oh, I was, that's what it was. No, not really, but it'll work. <laughs> but, yeah, tell me, what are your friends? You, we're working on boat motors. And boat motor breaks. It's only so me and you could hang out and talk, right? And, and it's just like, yeah, my friends, they're here, they're watching. You, you become more like Christ. That's what salvation does. People often, well, there's no, you know that no condemnation in Christ? You know, I've heard it preached before. You know, I've heard people tell me, oh, well, I am saved so I can do whatever I want in life and God's not going to condemn me for nothing. There's not going to be any consequences for what I, baloney! You've been saved for holiness because in heaven you are going to be holy and you'll be that way forever. People talking about, oh, I'm going to spend eternity with God, worship Him in heaven, but you ain't with His family, worship Him now? You better check that out. So by faith, I believe that Christ has given me the desire and ability to become more and more and more like Him walking in the Spirit. He gives us the desire and ability to become more like Him. What are we going to be like? Hey, Parrish, what are we going to be like? Parrish, what are we going to be like when we get to heaven? Who are we going to be like? Like Christ. Is it going to be good? Are you, I mean, is there anybody here like, oh, dang, I didn't know that when I signed up. I don't really want to be like Christ for eternity. I'm going to be like Christ. Wait, what? How many of y'all are looking forward to being like Christ because it's the best thing you could be? 
So when he saves us and before he glorifies us, he's got us in a process called sanctification where he gives us choices to choose him. And each time we choose him, we become more like him. How's that work? When did you get saved? Yeah. Yeah. A couple months, man. Almost a couple of months. How's it been? Has it been the worst experience of your life? No. How's it, how's it been? Have you become more like Christ? Yeah, no, I see the kind. Yeah, do you have desires now that you didn't think you would ever have, but you didn't get them until you got saved? Yeah. That's how you know you're saved. You have new desires. You've been changed. You've been changed. If your salvation didn't change you, it didn't save you. I didn't say that. Somebody like Spurgeon, one of them guys did. But I'm just saying, the Scripture says that. If your salvation didn't change, it didn't save you. Because part of salvation is to make you holy. That's what you're going to be like in heaven, is holy. And if you're going to be that way in heaven and be totally satisfied, why don't you take the opportunity to be it now? To make to progressively become holier now and become like him. If that's what you're going to be in heaven and it's going to be perfect. So by faith, I believe that Christ has given me the desire and ability to become more and more like him by walking in his spirit. Again, Paul, is it me? I don't want to do this. I can't do this. I can't. Could you, could, did that work for salvation? No. Is it going to work for sanctification? No. You are in Christ. And so again, go where Christ goes. Quit fighting them. Uh, what is it in John when he talks about, uh, he was talking about the Pharisees and their overburdensome religion of how to please God. And he said, dude, if you're, if you're tired and heavy laden and you're worn out, he said, stick your head in my what? Yoke. What's a yoke? Piece of wood where two oxen stick their head, right? And he's got his head in one of them, right? And, and so who do you think is going to be directing traffic on this? Who do you think is going to be telling you where to go? He is. You, my friend, are like a little chihuahua. And your head is there. You can't even reach the ground. And, and sometimes, do you ever find yourself like the little chihuahua yapping and yapping and yapping and yapping your whole life away? Like, and, and, and it's not going to change. The direction is not changing. What he wants us to do is dig the ride because he's in charge. April, you digging the ride, man? Yeah, when you realize he's in charge, it leaves you of a lot of anxiety. You dig the ride. So man, we're going to become more like him walking in his spirit. You know what walking in the spirit is? It's not some mystical thing. It's what do you want me to do now, God? And we do it. What do you want me to do now, God? And do it. Terry's been long enough to hear that a million times. He even preached it in, in small group on Wednesday. He's like, yeah, what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do now? You're going in circles. Oh, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. I'm going in circles. Spirit-filled life is what do you want me to do now and you do it. What do you want me to do now and you do it? And when you do that, you become more like him. You become holy. Watch this, last verse. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. So he had to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. We are in him, so that's how it's filled in us. But he describes us at the end of this, and then the whole next section will go into more details about it. But today we will stop here. It says about us as believers, we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Right? So Ben, do you do what you want or what God wants? Yeah, you got a choice. In fact, the only way we can show God that we love him is by obedience. I, I talk about it all the time out, out in the mangroves, man. We got these little upside down jellyfish. Y'all, y'all, you've seen the, who's seen the mangrove jellyfish out there? 
All of y'all have, or you have not been out with us, right? And do those mangrove jellyfish, they, they come for some reason, they look like little aliens and they flip over and they stay in shallow enough water where with their tentacles they can grow algae and do, they do it perfect, don't they? Do they obey perfectly what God has created them to be? Why, why, how can they do it perfect and, we not, and we're not able to? Because they don't have a choice. They do it through instinct like much of nature. But God gave us a choice because the only way we can show him we love him is by choosing him. And the only way we can, we can choose him is if he gives us a choice. So every day when you have a choice, it's my way or Yahweh. It's doing it my way or his way. It, every time, what do you want me to do? What do I want to do? So he says here, we don't walk according to the flesh. It's no longer fulfilling my desires. He purchased me. And by purchasing me, I am never what? I'm never going to hell. Is that a good deal? Yeah. And, and so we don't walk. He purchased me, all of me. And I'm never going to hell. And I'm grateful for that if I keep that in mind. So I don't walk in the flesh. But I walk according to the what? And that's God who lives in us. And we're in Christ. <laughs> He's, He's there. And so what do you want me to do, God? And we do it. That's proof to me that I know I'm saved. I share this and I'm done, but man, when I got saved, when I finally just said, God, and I know some of y'all have heard this, especially if you've been here more than like six months, but no. <laughs> but when I got saved, I just said, God, if you're for real, and I believe you are, and you can salvage anything out of this life, it's yours. That was Christmas of 87 when I got my first Bible. And he said, good, I want you to be a preacher. And I'm like, who am I going to preach to? People I sold drugs to? And he said, for starters. I said, God, I can't be like those guys on TV because that's all I knew. He's like, I don't want you to be like them. God, I don't know. I, I, can't, I don't even know if I can wear a suit. Don't worry about that. He's like, you know that little fish that stays stuck? Because I was cruising the Bahamas, smuggling weed and doing different things. And it was like, you know that little fish that stays stuck to the bottom of a shark? The remora? And I said, yeah. He said, that's what I want you to be. Hey, does that remora have to worry about protection, Parrish? No, not as long as you stay stuck to the shark. Does that remora, Captain Mac, have to worry about provisions and food? Not as long as you stay stuck to the shark. And I'll never forget, he spoke this to my heart, and he said, who can swim farther, that remora or that shark? And I was just like, wow. He said, can the shark, okay, if, the, if the remora stays stuck to the shark, it'll get to go places it could never go on its own. And I said, I'm in. But wait, God, didn't you remember when I used to get up on the bench at Bishop Moore Catholic High School and say, Brother Ed's Bible Revival Hour, and I'd make fun of it and have everybody laughing and stuff. He's like, yeah, I remember all that. I put all that away. I want you to be a remora stuck to a shark. I want you to be a spirit-filled you. And that's what I've been trying since Christmas 87 to help each other, every person I meet do. Abby, you be a spirit-filled you, man. Nobody else can be you, Abby. And if you're not being you, who's being you? Nobody. And if you don't think it's worth being you, is anybody else thinking it's worth being you? No. And if you weren't necessary, would God have created you? No. So you're ripping the world off if you're not a spirit-filled you. And that goes for every one of us. Be a, look around here and see all the weird people we have at Driftwood. Would you just look? 
These are not normal people. These are people that are just crazy enough to do what God's asking them to do. And that's who you guys are. That's why you're here. And if you don't come back, you, I guess you didn't qualify. I'm just saying. <laughs> we say if we don't scare you off, welcome to the family. But if this is the place, man, we're glad you're here. So again, here we go. We're ending. Help me out on this one. One, two, three. And I got proof, man. The proof is what the Word of God tells me about Him being my substitute and sacrifice. The proof is in me in knowing that I have desires. Back in that day, if you'd have told me I'd have been in church once a week, I'd have been in church having Bible study every single night, you'd have told me, I would have said, is that hell on earth? But now that I'm saved, I'd rather be nowhere else. That's how you can know that you're saved. You've got to believe the Word and believe what He's done in your life. But if you can't, emphatically say there's no way i'm going to hell i want to encourage you to ask the holy spirit why and if it's because you need to give your life to christ ain't no magic words just surrender how many of y'all would vouch and say it was the best thing i ever did let me see your hand if that's you don't put it up it ain't yeah so how many of y'all would say don't do it don't do it nobody so there you go man if you need some human proof it's the most awesome thing that could ever happen. Let's pray. Father, I'm coming in Jesus, and I'm doing that by faith. Because I know when you look down um, at me, you don't necessarily, you don't see all the sin. What you see first is you see the blood of Christ. And I have instant access to you all the time. The one who keeps all the, all the atoms from splitting. The one that keeps the planets from crashing together. The one that sets the boundary on the ocean father the one who does it all i have access to you because of the blood of christ thank you for giving me faith to believe that and for all of us that have faith to believe that father i do pray so hard that if there's somebody here that does not have that faith that you would give them that faith Give them a desire to surrender themselves to you. All they know about themselves, all they know about you. Help them understand there's nothing they can do to be part of their own salvation. Father, if they have a desire, it's, it's from you. It's like the wind. They don't know when it's coming. They don't know when it's leaving, but they know when it's there. Father, I pray that you'd save somebody that needs to be saved today. Save them from your wrath so they can experience your love. Father, for those of us that have it, Father, help us understand a little bit better of how much you love us. Because then that would cause us to love you more. And we know we do crazy things for the one we're in love with. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.